Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Bradley Parsonson. And today on the show, I'm once again joined by Bradley Parsonson, one of my, one of my colleagues from Opus Partners. And uh, he's also the co-founder of a little co-ownership uh, company called Me You We. And they do something really interesting. They help people purchase property together. Now, we've talked about this uh, several times within the show about that if you don't have quite enough equity to be able to get into property investment yourself or buy your own home, then co-ownership may be uh, a way that you'll be able to do it. And so I think it's really important that we've got somebody who does this every day, an expert in co-ownership, to be able to talk about some of the things that you're going to need to think about. Now, uh, Brad and I have just been chatting before we hit record, and uh, he was sharing with me a story about two people who who don't know each other who have come through me you we in order to purchase property together so brad walk us through this because this is this is really interesting people are going to be thinking okay two people who don't know each other or two groups of people don't know each other but they're buying property together yeah so <clears throat> i think look the the reason why me you we exists to start with just for everyone out there going oh that's crazy i'd never you know you know i wouldn't do it with someone i don't know well the reality of it is is as we go through and as the uh, millennial generation comes through and home ownership well in most cities in New Zealand is relatively out of um, out of reach um, it's only going to get worse and worse um, and as the investment um, as people with property are going to be continually um, you know getting growth and going better um, these people are going to be um, stuck out of the system so MeUe was created to find another way and how do we um, access other people within our um within this connected world and that came about by um what if we did match people or bring people together that could look at co-owning a property together um obviously it's not just you know all of a sudden you uh, match with someone and then you own a house um, it's a process much like meeting someone new at a party or at a bar or at the local school um, you can actually just become friends and we just say it's just friends that you haven't met yet um, this example has come through recently um, young guy who has saved a considerable amount of money uh, he's done pretty well he's still pretty happy renting um, on the north shore um, i think he's 26 27 um, and he's got about 40 grand cash um, his income isn't that high so it wouldn't sustain um, a, a, a decent mortgage on its own um, n- nor even probably an investment mortgage he then reached out um, he's found a couple they are not in Auckland they're outside of Auckland and they have an existing home uh, and they're looking to just draw some um, and some savings. So they're looking to draw some savings and some um, equity out of their home. Um, their deposits are about, uh, more or less the same. Um, and they're currently getting approved for just the, um, the, the the most borrowing they can get through us. Um, and that would probably be, and we've just got a mortgage broking team. Um, and that amount will then be, we will then work out, okay, what are your best options? New build, um, 20% deposit, or use uh, existing home, where can you buy it sort of thing. Yeah, okay, mm. so he's a young guy's got about 40k worth of cash deposit, you, um, the, the, the guy and his wife, uh, or the couple who own their own home, that if they're putting in 40k as well, that gives us about an 80k deposit at 20%, that gives us about 400, yeah. Yeah, about 400k worth of, worth of buying power. That's, that's You can do something with that in yeah. property investment in New Zealand, um, yeah. which may be used to, to some people who have just joined the podcast as well, that you can actually do something um, within it. 
it. Now, I was asking, uh, this raises so many questions, this idea of co-ownership, uh, and I'm sure many people listening to the show are raising these as well. So I'll quickly run through a few with you, um, Brad, because we always talk on the show that when you co-purchase a property together, uh, you're jointly and severably liable for the mortgage. So what that, that means, if I've understood that right, is that if you and I were to buy a property together, um, I still need to be able to have enough income to be able to service that mortgage, even without you servicing it. Is that, have we understood that correctly? Uh, well, some banks, some banks, what that means is, uh, put the servicing aside for a second because some banks actually, um, the banks that we operate with and we've been working with, a major trading bank around, actually, you know, each party um, or taking collective borrowings. So that is that that's not necessarily exactly correct. What it does mean is that if you run away with, you know, your girlfriend um, and leave me to dust and you're in Germany and I've got the mortgage and you've just said I'm out, um, I'm liable. I have to pay for it. Right, and if I can't pay for it, um, then we'll go through a process of, of mortgage sale. And um, there was an example of that in Christchurch recently. Um, one of the mates left, um, left the other dude. Um, now, again, we spoke in a, a, a <laughs> we spoke in a podcast earlier about buffer accounts and having some some float. That's always something important to note. You know, if something does happen, do you have a few months runway? Are you okay? Um, but they had no legal binding agreement that sat in the background that said actually if you leave then you're liable for xxx um in this example we put something in place that says look if you know joe doesn't pay for x amount of days then um he's liable to give up his share that share is then offered first first right of refusal and then there's a few other bits and pieces in the background but that is that is a conversation that you have with a lawyer um, to create that legally binding contract, and so the, so from the servicing perspective around this, how do you go about getting one of these sorts of loans that you've just mentioned, where 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 it's almost you mentioned it's co borrowing, so that means that we don't need to be able to service the whole mortgage yeah. ourselves. Which because um, my ears pricked up when you mentioned that the the young guy in Auckland, um, his income isn't isn't necessarily high enough to be able to service his own mortgage, um, so so that he'd have to go through through one of these kind of co borrowing. Yeah, loans. he'd need. To Someone else. So, so effectively, it's um, a, a couple of the major trading banks do um, allow a multi. They'll, they'll take collective borrowing. Some banks are quite tough on it. Um, but as we move through in this day and age, you're going to see more and more of these people coming together. And whether that's a family or a friend or a cousin's best mate or someone that you met and that you've become friends with over the last couple of months as you've been house hunting together, you know that. that so be it. But that's what they're going to have to do. And they're, and they're moving forward towards that because they're looking for how do we actually um, move with the times. And are you allowed to divulge which of the major, tra- major trading banks will allow this? <laughs> I'm unsure. Okay, well, let's... I'd just come to us first. I think, I think, and <laughs> I, I, I just thought of that when I was saying it. I think most brokers will know that. Um, but in terms of getting involved in it, I think you should always use someone or have a team of people that know the system first and that's probably why people come to MeUE first. Well, let's dive into some of those clauses in that case in, in terms of what you need to be able to protect yourself, especially if you're you're buying with somebody you don't necessarily know. And hey, the one thing that I'll just mention as well is that while some people listening to the show may not decide to uh, co-own with with 
somebody they don't know yet, uh, it's useful to go through uh, and think about this situation because it will raise a lot of questions if you were to then do it with your siblings, for instance. So we've just talked about this mm-hmm. kind of um, uh, this, the, the rules around mortgages, um, thinking about what it would be like if somebody did skip the country, and you might not think your sister would, but if you walk through the situation of doing it with a, a stranger, somebody you don't know yet, then you can apply that same thinking when it's a little closer to home. But just let's just jump into the, these clauses, Brad. So, what sort of things would we have to do to protect ourselves in the event that we did co in with a, a somebody we don't know yet? Well, I think one of the the rules for entry and exit are very important to lay down at the start, and we do a pre and post settlement um, agreement. So, okay, we're, we're looking to go into this, right? We've got valuations, we've got costs associated to the per, to the pre purchase, right? So, who's going to wear that? Right, who's going to do the lion's share of the work? It's not all going to be 50 50. So, openly having those conversations. Um, second thing is on that, I think the first things uh, what happens if um, a partner comes into the mix? And this is often when people are living together, but also for um, you know, for down the track, I think what are the intentions? Do you want to? buy this investment to um, put some paint on it, do the roof and put a deck out the back and sell it in 12 months' time. So the time frame intention is really, really important um, because you don't want to have someone who wants to invest for 10 years versus someone who just wants to do a few flips in the next three. Um, so that's really important. Um, when we look at uh, the... <coughs> when we look at the what happens if someone doesn't pay... That's also very important. So obviously there'll be a contribution amount. Um, depending on what the borrowing setup is, and it's okay if I can borrow three hundred thousand and Ed can borrow two hundred thousand, then we will note that these um, and your mortgage will be set up like that. So there'll be a two hundred thousand and a three hundred set up, and that will be um, broken down to suit those the share offering, um, as will the share as it goes up. So you'll have a slightly more um, share. And um, the other will have a slightly less, unless it's 50 50. And this, ca- this couple in this case as well, they, they were leveraging their own home in order to fund the deposit. Yeah. I think what's really interesting there as well is that because you've got um, the, the, the younger guy who's putting in cash as the deposit, whereas you've got the, the husband and wife team who, who are leveraging their own property, they're going to face interest costs on that yep. on that deposit that they're putting in, which would actually be separate separated out from the, the rental account of the property. Because usually, uh, the way we'd, we'd structure it is that um, yeah. is that the property would be negatively geared because we've got a hundred percent borrowing on it. In this case, that property may even be positively geared because you've only got eighty percent borrowing, but the husband and wife team would need to cover the interest yeah. payments on the uh, on the part the portion the forty k that they've borrowed. So that's it's that's just something to think about if you were to go in with somebody who's putting in a um, a cash deposit because it does change uh, the cash flow. Of of the property, mm, and that's that's one of the things that they've that again it's it's not a it's not a um, it's not an exact science, and everyone goes through the proper legal realm to have those discussions. We've just got um, multiple different types of um, clauses that are already been in place because we go through this scenario quite a bit, and we have all sorts of things. But you can literally put anything in those clauses. Like um, maintenance is a big issue. Right, what happens with maintenance? Who's going to contribute? Um, w- what happens if something pops up? Who pays what? And is that the same as the share split? 
you know, maybe that, you know, I own a little bit more of the property, you own a little bit less, maybe we do the same thing on the maintenance because as that grows in value, then we receive that value. Fantastic. Well, let's wrap it up there. But of course, please don't forget to review, rate and subscribe. It really does help us get the message out to more and more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, then why not check out our epic guide to property investment. This is our 16,000 word guide, freely available on our website. Don't even need to put in your email address. And if you want to get there, here's what you do. Go to Google on your phone uh, or on your laptop and Google Property Investment NZ. And we're always in the top two or three search results once you scroll past those ads. And uh, it's a great 45-minute read that's going to get you started in property investment in 2020. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And he's Bradley Parsonson, and we're going to be back again tomorrow with more and more daily insight strategies and tactics to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.